Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This episode is brought to you by the only company that makes sure you're never alone. My buddy. If you've been stranded on Vancouver Island and need somebody to talk to, or if your volleyball just isn't cutting it, pick up a My Buddy. He'll never leave you or respond to you. Check it out at mybuddyandme.com. Hey, everybody, this is Derek, and with me today is the only man who will cut his sweaty socks after each day and use them as wrist gaiters, Carl Mandrioli, (laughs) the gator man. What's going on, buddy? How you doing, man? Good. Good, yeah. No, happy to be here. Excited for this episode. This is pretty big time for us, so yeah. Um, With me today is Derek Somerville, the only man who doesn't feel alone when he's playing with his He-Man and Voltron action figures. Exactly. Who who would feel alone? I think everybody would be on my side on that one. I mean, Hours of internal storytelling you got going on there, right? Hours. Days. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we... We had a pretty big time guest on this episode. We have a winner from a TV show yeah. called Alone. Season two. Season two. Pretty epic, yeah? Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. He did. He was he was great. Yeah. Excellent. So we're gonna break down for those of you who haven't seen the show alone, we'll break that down for you before we jump in and kind of tell you a little bit about it. I think if you're an outdoors person, you probably will, would like this show. I don't know why you wouldn't like the show. It's pretty mm. popular. What season are they on now? Is this season six or seven now? I think they've done six seasons. They're probably, I don't know, just wrapping up a seventh or something. Yeah. I'll have to check in on that. But yeah. Um, but first I got a Bible verse. Okay. Genesis 2.18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. In light of this verse, are we designed to go on long, remote, solo backpacking trips, Derek? All I can say is Lewis had Clark for a reason, you know? Um, <laughs> I don't think we're meant to be out there. You get, you get a little nutty. You get a little nutty, I would imagine, after that amount of time. So, In, in our friendship, are you more the Lewis or the Clark? I'm, I want to say Clark just because I feel mm. like I just keep you afloat. Um, but, you know, you, mm-hmm. you do the same for me. <laughs> What does that mean? You know, I don't know. Mentally, okay. you got to keep you smiling, okay. you know? I thought you were going to call me Sacagawea. Sacagawea. So. <laughs> well, you, you'd I definitely think... be more of a Pocahontas than that, so. Right. Yeah. I would view you, yeah, I think Lewis and Clark were actually co-leaders, and um, they were really good co-leaders. Like, they, yeah. There was no notable argument historically mm-hmm. between them, so that wouldn't work. So you're more of like the guy who's carrying stuff for me, probably, right? Wow. No, definitely not. Um, okay. as you've referenced many times in this podcast, I don't apparently carry any gear. Apparently, so. <laughs> uh, I that's true. It's more the opposite. I'm more carrying your gear. I'm your, I'm your <laughs> yeah, servant, right. your traveling servant. <laughs> uh, it's, it's nice to live in your own world. It must be. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So I didn't ask uh, David McIntyre, um, the gentleman that joined us for this episode. I didn't ask him about that Bible verse, but I think he would agree that it is good for man mm-hmm. that man should not be alone. Because I think that sure. after a while, like you realize that we are designed to be social people right. for sure. Right. And so, and that's and that's where the challenge is for this show. And that's you know that's probably in a lot of ways a bigger challenge than just the pure survival aspect. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, okay, so you've seen the show. Tell me, yeah. what, give us, like, a rundown. What's the show about? The show is about uh, a, a handful of contestants that are placed, I believe his season was Vancouver Island, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. And so they're dispersed throughout this area a few miles apart. I think he, at one point he was, like, three or four miles from somebody else. Um, right. And they are required to just be out there alone, literally, and survive right for as long as they possibly can until they're the last ones there. If they win, they get, I believe it's a half million dollars. But uh, the, the, the additional caveat to this is you kind of have like this uh, uh, survivor man aspect where you're also like your own cameraman while you're trying to do all the surviving, which, which has got to be tricky. I mean, it's got to be tricky. So, and you're not really moving around though, right? You're not really moving around too much. Theoretically, some of them move more than others, but for the most part, you're you're hunkered down there. Yeah, right. it's not like a backpacking trip. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Do they do they choose your area, or do you get to choose? No, they choose your area. You don't. Yeah, you're not you're not handpicking the spot. And then within that area, you have to stay within that area. Right. There's been one season where they were moving around a little bit, but for the most part, it's it's um you know they're hunkering down, and it's a combination. It's not just men. There's men and women. And yeah. they get to choose 10 pieces of gear. So they mm. decide what they want to use for specifically for survival. They get, they're allowed some things like a toothbrush and a first aid kit. And a, they can bring like a picture of their family that don't count as part of the 10. But for the most part, they're 10 pieces. So do you bring an axe? Right. Do you bring a saw? Do you bring both? Do you bring, uh, you know, right. some fishing stuff? Like what? that's part of the challenge is deciding what you want to bring. Um, right. and then you've got, they have, they do check in on them. They do weekly medical checks to make sure that they're safe. And that's part of the show as well. Um, uh, but yeah, they've got to build their own shelter, get their own food and water. They've got to watch out for dangerous wildlife. They've got to stay warm and survive longer than anyone else alone. Here's, here's kind of a thing that I thought was interesting after hearing this interview and watching the show is what if they put you in a zone Unless, unless they intentionally try to help everybody, what if they put you in a zone where, you know, there's not a lot of food or wildlife yeah. or water? I think they've um, vetted every zone to make sure that you that it's survivable and that it's yeah. relative. Like, there's advantages and disadvantages for sure, but there's, um, I think that every zone has a sustainable, you know, part to it. So. Well, because I'm thinking like, you know, what if you're you got a great zone with water and all this stuff, but let's say you're quote unquote in a bad part of the stream mm-hmm. where none of the fish really go. Right. And then, you know, Jimmy Bob down the, down the way here has all the fish. You right. Know, that would be tough. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta tough. figure it out. So some people will actually build their own, you know, sea vessel raft to go find more fish. And that's, that's yeah. happened in the show. And yeah, there's all sorts of things that you can do. So you gotta be, you, you can't just be like a, you know, a woe is me. Feel sorry for yourself. Like I just got shafted. Right. So you gotta figure it right. out. Um, that's true. This show is on, it originally aired on History Channel. It's also, I think all the seasons are on Hulu. I think one season's on Netflix. So if you're interested yeah. in checking season six yeah. is on Netflix. Okay. So if you're interested in checking it out, there you go. So in a strange twist of fate, you were not able to make this interview, correct? I know you guys had some uh, scheduling conflicts and it took you a few attempts to get each other on the same page. And uh, unfortunately, right. um, I was unavailable, which was a bummer. Because I really yeah. would love to have asked him some questions. So Okay. Well, I'll get to that. I want to know what you would have asked him that I did not ask him. But I think I'm going to change the uh, the narrative on the interviews here. Mm-hmm. Rather than poking fun at you when you're not able to make it, I'm going to make this more of a positive thing. When you make an wow. interview, let's celebrate. Let's make this a happy day. So um, <laughs> hopefully that will happen <laughs> at some point in the future. <laughs> Eventually. 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 All right. So, so I caught up with David McIntyre, uh, resident yeah. of... Grand Rapids, Michigan, and winner of season two alone. And here's what he had to say. All right, with me today is Dave McIntyre, season two alone winner. How's it going, sir? It's going good. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, really, really appreciate your time. Yeah, so there's so many, so many different roads we can go down with so many different questions I have. And 
I think the first one that that I thought of was, you know, like I kind of want to know the origin story. So what got you interested in learning survival skills and spending time in the wilderness in the first place? As a kid growing up in Pennsylvania, I had uh, I, I grew up in a regular like subdivision, but it was surrounded by forest. And the, okay. where we lived was actually the site of a Lenai Lenape village, a Native American village. And we'd find artifacts and stuff in the garden and in the back fields and stuff. And I was just fascinated with uh, Native Americans as a kid and just wanting to do all those things. And I just lived out in that forest as a kid, um, just constantly mm-hmm. doing things, hunting, fishing, trapping, all that. And then my parents, uh, we had a house up in the mountains, in the Appalachian Mountains. And when I was about 15, I started mm-hmm. going out there on the mountains every Every weekend we'd go up, I would just, my brother and I would just head off into the, one of the mountains and exploring and just completely uh, enamored with the freedom of that all. And we made a lot of mistakes. So about 15 years old, I decided to really get into the idea of wilderness survival and how do you overcome these challenges? And it just became a lifelong passion. Absolutely. Yeah. I I feel like, man, as a parent now, I feel like I could get get in trouble nowadays or if I like let my kids just kind of wander off into the woods and stay out for hours. Oh yeah. We have way too much freedom as kids. I remember being, being four years old, playing in a barn, an active working farms barn about uh, two miles away from home. Oh my gosh. I I wonder if we even had parents. (laughs) Well, I don't know how, how, how much you like being on TV shows or being the star of a TV show, but it sounds like you could be on a different show, if you can find those artifacts out in the forest, there could be like, you know, American pickers for the Pennsylvania forest and you could start, you know. Oh, I had a, I had a huge collection of, of artifacts when I was a kid. Okay. And then I, I took them to school one day to do a demonstration or something. And uh, they were stolen out of the classroom and I lost everything. Who would steal Native American artifacts out of the classroom? Is that like a fellow student or? I have no idea, like, but it was like okay. I had museum quality stuff and it was all gone. Yeah. Yeah, that is, is that, oh, I'm sorry. That's, that's tough, but that's like your childhood basically of, yeah. you know, collecting stuff. So pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So you kind of show up or you, I don't know the process for how you got onto the, the show alone, but they sort of had this lineup of survivalists that are, you know, that you're essentially competing against. And I assume that you met some of these, I assume you met everybody, you know, prior to the show like starting well there's a there's a selection process they had for season two there was 3,500 people applied to be on the show oh my gosh and then they whittle that down to about 100 people that they present to A&E network and A&E selects 20 people that they want to take to boot camp okay so in in August we got invited to boot camp and uh there was 20 of us there and yeah I was I was fairly intimidated by some by some of the people I mean I was Right. You're, you're hearing their stories and what they've done and comparing it to what you've done. And it's like, like you got Nicole who has a doctorate and, you know, she's a doctor, Nicole Appelli, and she has a master's in marine biology from the Pacific Northwest, spent two years with the sand Bushmen. And, you know, it's like, okay, she's got, she's oh, got yeah. the credits. And you've got Jose. I was very impressed with Jose. He looked like somebody like stepped out of a Jack London book, you know, <laughs> and we're there in, in New York and he's right, walking right. around. He's still got his knife on and everything in the hotel. And I'm like, Wow, this guy's these people are the real deal. I mean, Mike had been an instructor for the Air Force, and then there was me. You know, and and I I've never taken I've actually never taken a formal class in in you know wilderness skills or bushcraft. Entirely self taught. I mean, I did run my own school in Brazil for a number of years. I mean, I'm, I'm not a lightweight when it comes to this. But then when we did the field portion, they took us out of boot camp and they push you through your paces out in the bush. And I was actually the only person to get through all the tasks that they told us to do in the time allotted. And all of a sudden, everyone was looking at me. And I was kind of like, okay. wow, I guess, you know, I mean, they threw me against the wall and I stuck, you know, so. No, for sure. That's a confidence builder. For sure. I was, I mean, you know, we don't see that part of things. And so it would actually be really cool if we, if we could kind of, if they gave that as like an additional episode, kind of almost like a prequel episode, because I, I would definitely check that out. But, well, they did do the making the cut episode, but they didn't show me. They didn't show me doing good at it because <laughs> that was the first episode that aired, and they're not going to blow it. Okay, you know they're not going to let any clue that yeah McIntyre did a, did a good job out there. Right, right, right. They don't want to ruin the the ending. I yeah, I have to check that out. Cause I I did not see that episode. Yeah. So the, the impression that at least that the show gave was that they're kind of like what you're saying. Like there's all these expert survivalists, um, highly qualified, and you're kind of the underdog. Like like it came across that essentially. Some of these guys just had a lot more skills, but you wanted it more than everybody. Is that pretty accurate? Um, look, I'm not going to knock anybody's skills that were out there. I mean, like Randy, Randy Champagne is incredibly skilled. 
No, I'm saying, no, 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 the opposite. I'm saying that they had a ton of skills, but you just like were just highly motivated. Like you just wanted it more. I'll put my skills up against any of them. And I did want it, (laughs) you know, I mean, it it was, yeah, they didn't show. I felt like, like I won it, but nobody really knows why. You know, I mean, the right. the second month I was out there, I was actually regaining weight. Oh, really? Okay. And that, that doesn't come across. I mean, my maximum weight loss was at week five and a half. And by week nine and a half, I was heavier than my maximum weight loss. I was re- I regained about five pounds that out there. So, but they, they don't, they're not going to show that because it's, you know, they have to, they have to keep up this, this suspense. Okay. And that's what I was curious about was, was, are they paint is, are they painting the story like accurately? Am I, am I receiving this correctly? It sounds like I wasn't. Okay. They're not going to, they can't No, Nothing's faked on the show. I mean, the show right. is as real as, as can be and the experience that we did, but yeah, you know, they're going to edit it in a way which keeps people interested and guessing until the right. very end. For sure. You know, if, if you saw like every day at the end, at that last month, I was laying out my catch of the day and I have like three fish and four crabs, mm. you know, laying on the log and I'm eating a full meal every night. Okay. And it was it was I mean, most nights. I'm not every night, but most nights I was I was actually regaining weight, and it was uh, they didn't show any of that. So people yeah, are like, okay. you know, I I wanted because I was just out there suffering and starving down, but that's not the case. Interesting. All right, that's good to know. That's good kind of behind the scenes stuff. That that might I don't know if that spoils this next question, but I did have a question about like a fishing question basically because it seems like not just your season, but every season they have this moment where. The, the picture that they paint is that, you know, somebody hasn't eaten for days and then, you know, they, they, they kind of, you know, on camera, you get the, the catch of the fish and they're so excited and they finally get this, this, and they're like, Oh, yeah. oh the, the fish. And then they try to unhook the fish on like over the water or near over the water. And then they lose the fish. Like every season that seems to happen. Yes. Because yes, you're living off of fish and you're filming it every day. You know what I mean? So yeah. Right. I, it, the, my first month out there, I, I I did not. I don't remember exactly how many fish I caught in the first month, but every time you catch a fish, that means you get to eat today. So yeah, it's an exciting moment. And if you lose it, it just feels like the most unjust thing. Like you've been robbed. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? You've been robbed right. of the the of dinner, and it's not just any dinner. It's the dinner you haven't eaten for three days. No, for sure. I totally get that. So my question then is, by alone season four, season five, you've seen all these people make that mistake. Wouldn't that be the one mistake you wouldn't make? You'd be like, okay, I'm going to catch a fish and I have to do everything in my power to unhook the fish like over land so I don't lose it back in the water. Oh, but you are. Yeah, but the, the thing is like on I know on season, uh, all, the, all the ones they're doing up at the Great Slave Lake, they're not allowed to use barbed hooks. Okay. It's a Canadian law. So oh, you're okay. using unbarbed hooks to catch fish. And that, that's brutal. And that's gotcha. just a, you know, adds insult to injury. Right, right, at right. Least in the in the ocean, we were allowed to use barbed hooks, and still you're gonna you're gonna lose fish. Every angler loses fish. Okay. And you don't have a landing net, and you're in you know, on Vancouver Island, it's very precarious to be at the water's edge. It's very slippery, or you know, it's mm. it's you don't have your options. It's not like you can just move around or find a good place to land. It's like you're landing those fish up against a vertical wall of rock most of the time. Okay. You know, and then we're pulling them up onto an incline where if they do fall off, they're just gonna roll right back into the in the ocean. Right. Okay. So yeah, it was it was tough fishing, and you're and you're not using regular gear. I'm just using a pole and a line. It's not like you have any kind of drag or you know be able to you know tense it up or have any spring to the pole or anything. Or it's it was tough fishing. Yeah, and, and I think just full disclosure, I think most of my questions are going to be cut from like the point of view of the naive like television viewer because <laughs> I'm not. A, sure. I mean, I'm a backpacker, but I'm not a fisherman by any stretch. And so these are these are just questions that like my wife, like my wife and I watch it together and we're. And we watch, we watch all the seasons, and we're super into the show. But I'm like, why do they keep on losing? Like, why do they keep on taking the fish over the water? So, well, also they show you losing the fish because that's the dramatic moment right. that you really got for you know disgruntled or you know you said something. Right. That's that's what they're looking. That's that's the moment because they're watching you fishing for three and a half hours, not really doing anything. It's almost like still life in video. And then all of a sudden you catch this fish, it's a big dramatic moment and you lose the fish and, oh wow, you know, he, he said that funny thing when you lost the fish and that's what gets in. So yeah, every time, right. every time you make a, a serious mistake, they're going to show it. That's just the way it works. Okay. That's TV. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that is understandable. It's good to get that insight. So you mentioned that like you, you started gaining weight back because you were so successful at, at getting food out there. But it's still, I mean, it's not like a full variety of nutrients and minerals and vitamins. And so, like, how long did it take your body to fully recover from being isolated and, you know, just 
deprived of those nutrients for over 60 days? Fully recover. You know, that's, that's a hard thing to measure because I'm different now, even now, five years later, okay. I'm, I'm not the same physically, the same person that I was before I left. I mean, I'm much thinner now, even than I was then. Okay. I went out at 190, 195 pounds. I got down to 160. Then they pulled me out. I was like 165. And 160, oh, 165 wow. okay. on me is not a good look. I mean, I was really, really <laughs> skinny. You could see the bones in my chest. And, and you know, I, I, it was horrible. It was, it was, I, mean, I remember the first time I saw myself when I took off all those bush clothes and standing there in the cabin looking in the mirror. I'm like, dude, what did you do to yourself? Right. I could imagine. I hadn't seen my own body in like a month. You know what I mean? It was right. like it was like a month ago that I took all these clothes off and, and scrubbed down because it got so cold. You just don't you just don't do it. That's kind of gross in its own. Right. But anyway, <laughs> right. I came home and I had made some money. They don't pay you until the show is completely aired until the last episode is aired. So I'd one half dollars. Yes. But it's like going to be like nine, nine months or so before I see right. it. So I had to go back and, and, and get a regular job. And I'm like, what can I do? Cause I was so beat up. I would say it took, I, I was out of the workforce for about two months after that, just regaining my strength and, and rebuilding body that was lost. And then I saw that I, a uh, direct TV was offering six weeks of uh, paid training. And I thought, Oh, I can do that. I can sit in a classroom for six weeks and learn how to do their thing and then see if that works. Right. And uh, I did that for a number of months. And then they cut me a check for half a million dollars and you get to quit your day job. <laughs> that is, that is opposite extremes. They're going from complete wilderness to direct TV. Those are, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Polar opposites right there. Wow. Okay. Next question I got for you. You mentioned that, speaking of, I guess, the winnings, you mentioned that you wanted to be the dad who's able to say yes to things because you're always the dad that's saying no to your kids because I assume you can't you know, afford whatever or whatever they're desiring. And so it's been yeah. a few years since the show and you know, since you've, you've got you know, the, 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 the check cut to you. So like, how has life changed since then as a result of your time on the show? And like, how did that change, I guess, your role as a father and what you'd hope for? Well, my kids are older now. My youngest is 19 and my oldest is 28. And uh, okay. yeah, I, I was able to do a lot of things for them, able to buy my, my daughter a house and a car and my, myself a house and a car and you know have my, my kids are living with me now. Um, wow, okay. I put away a big chunk of money for my kids uh, to go to college. That hasn't happened yet. Uh, that's, that's coming up. But uh, that that was really good. Um Completely debt free. I owe. Yeah, it was it was very good for me. It got me reestablished. When I moved to Michigan from Brazil, I came here in two suitcases. Okay. And oh in gosh. debt. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. had nothing when I when I was out there on the show. This is this is the funny thing. I, I had spent the last of my money for gear for the show. I had nothing in the bank. Like like five dollars enough to keep it ticking over. You know, I had moved out of my my right. apartment. My daughter had moved in to my apartment. Uh, my Jeep was totaled two days before I went to Vancouver Island. Mm. I had nothing in the bank. I was nothing. I had nothing. Right. It's like a modern day Job story, basically. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. It was like I get out there and I'm like, Lord, you have taken away everything from me except my health and my life. And you've right. put me in the highest concentration of cougars and black bears on the planet. <laughs> and obviously, obviously you're doing something with yeah. this. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm good with it. And I, but you, I, you I, agreed I, to go there. So it wasn't like you just got planted there. Yeah. Right. It wasn't, right, right. It was, <laughs> I mean, at, at boot camp, I was praying. I'm like, the more they revealed about the show, the more I wanted to do it. And I'm like, Lord, if you don't want me to do this, just pull back and let me fail. Right. And it was like the exact opposite happened. It was like, he was just, just right there. And everything I was doing was working at boot camp. And I, I got on the show, I got to the Island and he starved me down for a month. I mean, I got nothing that first month. It was hard. Mm, it was like a right. 30 day fast. Right. And, uh, yeah. And he had some business to deal with me and, uh, broke me down. I did all that <laughs> squared things up with him. And it was like, right. he said, it was, it was almost like Lord said, all right, all right, now, now it's going to be Huck Finn time. You're going to have some fun out here. And he turned the food back on. And mm. I, that was when I started eating crabs and catching fish <laughs> consistently. And I, I, I want to say that the second month was fun, but it was also extremely hard. And that's where the psychological aspect of it hit really hard. You know, that mm -hmm. now I'm missing people really bad and, you know, right. just a good conversation. Yeah, that second month was hard. No, I, that, that, that's where I would struggle the most, to be honest. But it sounds like – I like how you said that you turned the food back on. That, Yeah, that must have been um... – amazing just that transition right there and yeah sometimes you just gotta yeah i mean that's part of being alone and being solos yeah you have that time to to pray and to to work through things and it sounds like you took advantage of that so that is 
really encouraging to hear. I was forced to take advantage of that because I'm not the person that, that normally deals with my stuff. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. He definitely just put me out there and forced me to, de- to, de- to deal with me. And it was great. It was very, it was very healing time for me, very freeing. You know, after all that, I was light as a feather. Okay. And that was that second month. And it was a really good time for me in terms of my own personal growth and development and spirituality and all that. Well, I will say that that, came, that that part did come through on the show where, you know, like a lot of folks, especially as, as the show sort of wears on, can become downtrodden or fearful. And I, I feel like you were like a, like a, you know, a lamp, like a shining light on the show. Like you always had some very reflective thoughts and encouraging things to say. And I was like, he, this guy's holding together really well. So it was very, very impressive. I don't think I would have <laughs> held together that well for sure. Yeah, you know, I've got to say fear, fear was never a dominant emotion out there. Uh, for me, mm-hmm. um, the loneliness, you know, when I was in Brazil as a missionary, it was, you know, I'm dealing with a lot of very hurting and broken people. And every once in a while, I just have to go out to the bush to re- recharge. And I go out for three or four right. days solo and come back and feeling really refreshed and able to deal with people again. And I, I wondered, okay, going out on alone, what, at what point is this alone solo experience going to be the thing which is now tearing me apart? Mm. And it's, it's about that month point for me. Right. After that, it stops being fun. It's like, all right, I've done the alone right. thing. Battery's charged. I want some food, you know, in conversation. Right. And that's yes, that's that's the tipping point, and and that tips a lot of people over. I mean, there were people even during your season that were like, I've done all I can. I've proved what I can prove. I'm ready to go home. And so we're not cut out to to be solo creatures. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And you, I mean, you mentioned that like, I mean, you mentioned that on the show. Most you said, I think this is a quote. Most of us are not meant to be alone. We need human interaction. And it, all you wanted at one point was a hug, is what you said. Oh yeah, I remember. I remember saying that. And I was like, and I could yep. totally identify. I was like, yeah, I don't think we get enough hugs. So, yeah, do you have any strategies for for all of us out here who need more hugs in life? <laughs> have grandkids. Okay. Yes, have grandkids. You'll get all get lots of hugs out of grandkids. Lots of you hugs. Know, okay. Yeah, that was the thing. I mean, I'm just I hug my kids. Good night. You know, my kids are you know teenagers mm-hmm. and and at, at that point and stuff. It was just. Yeah, just that physical contact. I mean, sit, just sitting down at a table and having a conversation and a meal. It's stuff we take right. for granted. When that's pulled away from you, you realize how much you need it. And just that just that human contact, right. you know, just someone to say, hey, you know, how you doing? You know, and oh, 100%. just have someone to, to be looking out for you. Because yeah, being out there, it's a very selfish right. way to live. You're completely alone. There's no one to care for. If I have food, I get to eat all of it. You know, mm. if I want to sleep in, no, I'm not letting anyone down, you know, and, and you in in that right. sense, it's very liberating. But then again, it doesn't right. really mean a whole lot either. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that because I feel like I, I watch these shows or these extreme whatever endurance shows or shows like Alone. And there always seems to be a character on there who's like, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for my kids or for somebody else. But I always, I always second guess. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're out there. You're doing what you love. You're doing this for yourself. And maybe you're trying to honor somebody, but really it's for yourself. But when you said that, like, I'm trying to do this for my kids. I'm trying to be the dad who can say yes. Like, I actually, I bought it. I believed you. I was like, you are like, that's what's motivating you to succeed. Yeah, it was a huge motivator for me to stay out there. I mean, here, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm given this gigantic opportunity to reach out and grab the brass ring, you know, and I'm going to go home right. because I'm cold, wet and tired. I mean, I've been cold, wet, and tired on a lot right. of different jobs that weren't offering the chance of success that this did. And I'm just going to throw that away. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, guys, I came home. I know, yeah, you wanted to go to college and all that, but I, I was kind of cold and tired. I'm not doing that. I mean, I'm just, no. Right. And I was getting food. I was, I was like, what I would say out there is, okay, make tomorrow an easier day. And no matter what I do today, I have to make tomorrow an easier day. And that's how I measure success. And after a while, you're applying mm. your best ideas to your best discoveries, and you're not getting new ideas. You're not making new discoveries, and you're you're kind of maxed out at what you can do with what you've been given out there. And it was doable, though. I was catching fish. I was getting crabs. I mean, not mm-hmm. if not every day. It was like more days than not, definitely. I mean, I came home with two and a half, over two pounds right. of my emergency pemmican. Really? I over had two food. pounds. Okay. Yeah, I had my. Yeah. And I was eating that. If I had gone 48 hours without eating anything, I, I, I gave myself a one sixth pound portion of, you know, one uh, one sixth pound of one of those blocks. I'd make that into stew with some seaweed and all that and, and eat that one meal. And that would break my 48 hour fast. So I had 13 of those meals oh left. Gosh. OK. And me, I say meal. I say yeah. meal. OK, don't picture 
anything resembling a normal meal. Right, We're a lone version of meals, right? Yes. <laughs> um, it was a, a, a one bowl of soup kind of thing. Right, right. But I could have done that 13 days without foraging. Okay. All right. Well, let me let me let me change this up on you a little bit then, because uh, you know, since we're a backpacking podcast, um, I wanted to put like a backpacking spin on one of these questions. So, I mean, the show is essentially about hunkering down. For the, I mean, I, they had one season where they were moving around a little bit, but for the most part, it's like you're hunkering down, you're trying to survive, you're trying to just you know live live out there as long as you can. But what if they what if they kind of changed it because you were able to bring essentially ten pieces of gear of your choosing to allow you to survive. Weight didn't seem to be a concern at all. It was all about the function of the tools or the gear that you're bringing. So if I change the scenario on you and make it a survival show where you have to reach a destination, you're remote in the wilderness, and you've got to travel, say, like 100-plus miles away from your drop-off point, what, what what kinds of things would you swap out or bring instead of what you had out there? Well, that would be a huge challenge. How would you? How in the world would you feed yourself on that? Uh, that I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not the survivalist. You, you sent me that question, reflecting reflecting on that traveling and you know you can travel right. or you can eat. You know, you're not going to eat and travel unless you, unless it's like summertime and you've got all kinds of wild edibles you can pick as you're going. Okay. But wow, it, yeah, it would be it would depend. I would say it would. De- that's a very difficult scenario okay. unless you can unless you can down like, like in a survival situation okay that your 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 plane goes down in the middle of you know the tundra right. somewhere and you can't you have to walk your way out or essentially you've got what you have what you've got you you're, you're physically okay and you got to walk your right. way out you've got to nail some kind of big game animal or give you some kind of food or have some weapon which you can hunt with along the way like a you know 22 or a survival shotgun or something or else you're not gonna be doing a whole lot of eating on that trip no yeah for sure and so it sounds, it sounds like if if you had that i know that they they intentionally make it towards like the end of summer or fall or whatever it's it's getting colder as you as... right it's always gonna it's always gonna be fall into winter on a loan if, if it was a summertime or spring into summer sort of uh, scenario and you were able to bring a, a weapon like a gun where you could hunt as you go, is that a viable scenario? If you had to, if you had to live off the land while moving, you'd have to have like a 22 or something. Okay. You know, like one of those gotcha. survival shotguns, like a 22-410 combo gun or something like that. You could probably okay. – small game will keep you fed until you, you down something big. But you're not going to be able to set traps. You're not going to be able to set a gill right. net. You're not going to be able to set right. snares. You know, you, you're not going to hike into a place, set up a few snares, check them in the morning, and move on your way. The trapping doesn't work that way. It's a numbers mm-hmm. game. You got to know the area. You got to study it. You're not going to be able to eat really that well unless you're hiking along a river and can stop and fish repeatedly. That's that's that was the the main question. And then also the question is, what's my terrain right. and what's my weather? Because I'm not going to do it in muck boots like I was wearing on Vancouver Island. Yeah, I'd have to have different boots. Right. Um. Right. I had a I didn't think about weight at all of my gear right i had this you know wiggy zero degree sleeping bag which is you know quite heavy and uh full-size axe folding saw i had i had gear to, to go homestead in the middle of the wilderness on vancouver island right. to do it in a mobile situation now and, and living off the land do i have to film it too <laughs> that's just, maybe bring a oh gopro yeah, yeah no I, honestly i was thinking because you know if i as an armchair survivalist where I, I don't, you know, I'm not skilled or experienced. I'm just thinking if you're in the summertime, when I'm out backpacking, I'm in the mountains and granted I'm on a trail. Um, if I'm not on a trail, I'm going significantly slower. I'm not covering nearly as much ground, but I see animals all the time. So I feel like I'm not, right. you know, if, I, if I'm halfway adequate at, at, you know, hunting small or big game, I feel like the availability wouldn't be an issue it would just simply be to, you know, to store the food and travel efficiently. Obviously, like what you're saying, paring down weight's a big one. Yeah, moving moving like that, moving long distance and being able to hunt. Like I remember I, I spent some time in Alaska on a, on a hunting trip, and there was so much small game up there. that You could, you really could, if you had a, had a 22, you could travel and pop small game opportunity, you know, targets of opportunity along the way and be eaten every night. I'm convinced of that. If it okay. between like spruce grouse and, and rabbits and things, you, you'd be fine. But without you know, alone doesn't allow you to take a gun though. That's one of the things they, that's on the no list. A bow, yeah, you maybe if you're really skilled with a bow, you might get it done. It's just gonna be really hard to to feed yourself and burning all those calories moving. That's gonna be tough too. That's the key. Yeah. So it sounds like if I can produce a show called Alone for 100 Miles, sounds like um, <laughs> please don't, you're don't in. give them this idea. <laughs> don't give them this idea. They, they make it hard enough. Oh, yeah. 
Well, yeah, I would, and I would, and I love the show, but I would definitely struggle. That would be a completely different structured show. That you'd be on the move, and you'd have to have you know all sorts of different different uh, you know drones and stuff to keep track of people. So yeah, yeah. it'd be hard for them to do that safely, you know, with right. uh, with the rescue crew because I knew like at any time they could get to me in forty five minutes by boat. And at low oh, tide, 45 minutes. I was curious how long that took. Okay. Yeah. If I hit, if I hit the, the emergency, you know, they have that, that red button on the uh, yellow brick. It wasn't actually the tap out button. They call it that, but right. it's, that was the rescue pro- rescue button. If you got like squirting blood or broken bones, you hit that button, you know? Okay. And that would, that would activate, you know, them getting there as fast as they possibly could. And for me, that was 45 minutes by boat or at low tide, they could have gotten to me by helicopter in about 20 to mm-hmm. a half an hour. Okay. But yeah, I mean to have to have ten different people moving across the landscape like that and keeping track of them and have being able. I mean, we're wearing a GPS tracker. You know that yellow brick's pinging our position every five minutes, and they have it like on Google Maps at base camp, where they can see where we are. You okay. know, every five minutes, and they oh, know. Okay. You know they're okay. Now he's now he's back in his shelter and is is closing right. down for the night. But if I if I had not been in my shelter, you know, by eight o'clock at night, and I'm still out, you know fishing or something they probably would have sent me a, a tone or on there and, and you know asked me to check in or whatever yeah that's interesting i and i was curious because I, I know that they periodically come and do you know like the safety checks and they just you know like they, they weigh you and that kind of thing and that's kind of how they allow that's how they reveal that you've won the show and so i just wonder that once you're getting you know deep into it you're getting 50 days out 60 days out and they start doing these safety checks are you like are you in the back of your mind are you wondering is this is this is this the time is this did i win well, it, it was it, it, there's a real psychological morphing that went through for me with the uh, with the, the med checks. In the beginning, you're super excited to see them. It's like you've been there for a week. You've been you're still really into it, and uh, and they don't talk. They show up. They what? don't really talk. Okay. They're not very social at these. Med, they set the tone right away. Yeah. This is not social hour for you. Okay. <laughs> we are here to get your get your footage, restock your batteries, do a quick med check, and then we're out of here. Yeah, they don't engage in conversation much at all. Interesting. But you're still glad to see them. Okay, then next week and next week. And after a while, it's like this is the thing you really need is just to sit down and just talk to these guys. Like stay, spend a half an hour, you know, here and talk to me. And they don't. And it's like you're trying to quit smoking and this guy's blowing smoke in your face. Because you need social (laughs) interaction. You can hear them all talking on the boat as they're coming in. And as they're getting off, they all shut down. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's horrible. intentional psychological warfare right it there. Got to the point. <laughs> yeah. At the end, it was like it would be easier if they would just dead drop our footage, oh, you know, right. and not have that contact because right. that made it hard. It right. was like when they would, when they would drive away, your heart just sank. It's like, oh, I got another week of being alone. I, can, I can't even imagine. You know, that. it was hard. And, and, and I've talked to this, about this with my co-host too, is like, that's what I'm, I'm just a social being. So I couldn't, I wouldn't be, I'd be fine with the animals. I'd be fine. Like if I could learn, learn the skills, but it, the alone part, that's not for me. So, um, I mean, I don't even go backpacking alone, but so you may, okay. So kind of go, circling back to one of the earlier questions I asked, you mentioned how, how you'll measure yourself up against, you know, all of your, your fellow survivalists and especially, you know, give you a lot of confidence to do, um, like the skills t- checks or the skills test prior to the show. What if you were on the show and one of your competition was Bear Grylls? How do you think you'd do against Bear Grylls? Uh, do you make a comment? You're really going to do this to me? <laughs> Bear Grylls is a very entertaining person. I don't know your I don't know your relationship or your view of Bear Grylls, but so is that is that not an appropriate question? Well, I, I don't know. I I, I don't want to. If you don't, he's a very entertaining. He's a, he's an entertainer. He's very entertaining. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> okay, so I wasn't trying to open a can of worms, or I apologize. Um, okay, I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk bad about anybody. Gotcha. I really don't. I okay. don't. I mean, that's not me. That's not who I am. I don't. You, you don't build your house by tearing down someone else's. He's very successful at what he does. I mean, he did all kinds of stuff in the military. I mean, the man's done some real feats, which I would never, never be capable of. Okay. Um, but when you're, when you're, when you're portraying survival skills, you got to get them right. You know what I mean? It, okay. it, it doesn't help. A lot of people will take their education from watching survival reality, reality survival TV shows. And you need to research these things. You need to do them right. Okay. I don't okay. care, you know, that you weren't that far into the bush. And every one of those, every one of the survival different shows, you know, they're, they're filming things in different locations and string them all together, you know, to make, to make it seem like it was one seamless adventure and things like that. And, Right. But if you're going to my main beef with some of the things that I've seen from Bear Grylls, is if you're going to show a skill, 
then you have to actually know how to do it and how to portray it and how to film it correctly. And I've seen a few things which it's like, uh, no, that's not how it works. And I can tell from the way he's doing it, he's never actually seen it done. Gotcha. And that really bothered me when I saw that yeah. because, you know, Buddy's entertaining and you know, drinking camel or whatever, you know, all this right. stuff. And honestly, from my perspective, yeah, like that's how I view him as like a survival, not necessarily like somebody I'm to learn from, but it's more of like a kind of outdoor entertainer. But I can see from your perspective as as a survivalist like that's there are, are, are TV hosts that have done things that are really, really good that you will learn from. Um, uh, Les Stroud stuff is excellent excellently filmed and he's actually he knows exactly what he's doing and he's showing you how it is actually done and there's a ton of guys out there on youtube that are teaching really really good stuff and showing things unfortunately on youtube there's also a lot of guys that are just really horrible and showing you things which are dangerous so you got to know who you're know what you're looking at i think less strat is a go-to for a lot of people for sure and speaking of that, yeah, is there anything that you have going on? I don't know kind of where, what your role is in the survival world at this point, but do you have anything going on that you want to plug or promote or anything that's on your agenda? I am not currently teaching uh, survival. I have taught at other people's schools. And when, when COVID was – basically, I, since the show, I've been traveling all around the country speaking uh, mainly in you know churches and, and church-affiliated events and men's conferences and things like that. And COVID okay. shut all that down, closed my entire year, just wiped out a whole year of, of my schedule. So I picked up a – I was asked to uh, – invited to uh, work with a ministry here in Grand Rapids. So I'm now the uh, Director of International Ministries at Set Free Ministries here in Grand Rapids, and I will be working oh, okay. with – Kids in Uganda, we've got 13 schools in Uganda. Um, we've got an orphanage and in, in prison ministry in India and a prison ministry and orphanage in um, Dominican Republic. So I get to do all that now. And I'm, it's like my dream job. Other than like winning a half million dollars in the woods, this is my dream job. So it's been great. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm still still writing fiction. Okay. I have a fiction series out on Kindle, uh, Dave McIntyre, The Fall. The Fall is the, the ser- series. And uh, you can find okay. the first three books are up up on that it's post-apocalyptic story like i said we really appreciate your time i know that you're you're a high demand person for sure so so really appreciate it if anybody would want to book me on uh for speaking you can get get in touch with me through my website um dave mcintyre wilderness and uh i'll send you the link for that and uh there's a contact page there it gets through to my personal email and i'll be happy to respond Excellent. I'll put both links in our show notes and I'll, I'll throw those on our Facebook page as well. So Dave, really, really appreciate it, my friend. This is this has been excellent. And just getting the behind the scenes insight and your perspective on things has just been, yeah, been excellent. So thank you so much for your time. No, it's always fun talking about the show. It was a great experience. If you want to be on the show, go for it. Just apply. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're throwing your name in with like 20,000 other people that are, you know have already applied, but there's always that chance. All right, my friend. So, what'd you think about that? Uh, just so you know, he's a wealth of uh, a well of knowledge, a well of knowledge. I mean, he's just got a lot of a well of well of knowledge. Is that did I? Yeah, yeah. Just a lot of good insight on on things to look for that you know the average bear may not like, as far as you know how to get the food. I know when he was, um, I like when he was like making his net, his netting for the thing. He was you know talking about like how you want them to like go in there and get trapped in there. And this is what you want to kind of do. So whereas I saw some other contestants right. just would kind of throw some shoddy looking thing in the water. And, uh, okay. It just, so it sounds like you're talking about what you saw on the show, not what we talked about in the interview. That's some of the show, but I think it kind of goes in line with what he was talking about as far as, um, just like he had a lot of the experience and I guess he felt like he was just as good as anybody else. But there was, there was a lot of like, okay. I think I, I thought about this for you. Like if you showed up like he did and there's like all these like, you know, big shots there who have all these like credentials, quote unquote, would you feel right. intimidated like he did initially? Or would you be like, you know what? No, I think uh, I can handle my own. Wait, wait, wait. Are you asking me the person who the self-proclaimed yeah. insecure guy? Like would I feel intimidated? Yeah, man, I would feel intimidated Would that. Would I, would I you know, be would I let that affect my performance? No, I would just assume that I, I, I would assume that I had to work harder and longer than anybody else. What if one of the ten things you could bring was me? <laughs> then how would you? Feel? <laughs> how um, would you feel? Like now I've got to feed you as well as me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I think that both of us actually thrive in adversity, and we can 
hold things together in frustrating times and not blow up at each other. So I think actually that would be, yeah, that would, that would be an advantage. Yeah. And he touched on that whole thing about like, you know, the difficult part was, you know, the psychological thing and feeling alone and, uh, you know, we weren't made to be by ourselves. Do you, did you feel the same way? Like, were you thinking like, I know, I think you mentioned this too. Like that would be the hardest part for you as far as like survival. I mean, I wouldn't even apply to the show. Like if I was a survivalist, I wouldn't even apply to the show just because I know that I would not be able to handle myself. It just wouldn't be enjoyable. I had a completely different take on that because to me in normal life, if you're by yourself in that way, that would be tough to me because it's like, there's, it's not a definite time frame. Like how long right. will this last? I don't know. That would be tough. But I feel like right. for the show, I don't, I really honestly don't think the psychological part would be my biggest challenge. I okay. feel like I know this is a phase. I know this is a certain amount of time, a couple months, whatever it is, six months, two months. Yeah. I think I could handle that. Okay. I honestly think just making sure you're feeding yourself properly every day because if I'm cold and hungry, it's like that. I will say that, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And my perspective on this also, and I wish I would have asked him this question, is I feel like when you know that you have an audience, whether you're making a video or in this case you're making a TV show, you don't really feel as alone as yeah. if you're you know, completely isolated without the cameras on. I, I feel like there's, you know that somebody's going to care about what you're doing at some point. Yeah. So there's there's some extra motivation there. Is that the same right. as having somebody near you or next to you or talking to somebody? Of course, I mean, close, but it's something, right? Yeah. I mean, what? Yeah. I think a lot of the Instagrammers today would be good out there because yeah. they're used to being on the camera, you know? Yeah. What's one, okay, so let's let's go back to something you said before the interview. You said you, you had some things that you wish you, that I would have asked them. So what did I miss? Um, I think I would have wanted to know just like the whole dynamic of like what, let's say you get to the, like how big was the, I I don't remember how big the area was. I would have asked him like, how big was your section? Yeah. Your zone. And then what happens? Do they have like, do they have like, uh, I don't know, like boundaries. So, you know, if you went into somebody else's zone, like, do they send you a little beep on your thing? Or I don't know. Like, how do you know? I mean, you're trying to, to defeat people, so you don't want to encourage them by interacting with them, but it's also an encouragement to yourself. I would guess that there's no boundaries because, yeah, they're three and a half miles, four miles away, but you don't know in which direction, and you're typically staying pretty close to your you know, campground or your home because it's like the traveling through that underbrush was so difficult. There weren't trails or anything, and so I would imagine the chances of actually coming across another contestant would be so near impossible. But that, but I, but I, I don't know if I agree with that. Like, how many people were out there? Did did he ten. say? Did we, ten total. There's ten yeah. people. Okay, on Vancouver Island, so pretty big chunk of land there. I mean, I mean, what if you were on the coast? Because a lot of them were kind of like near water. Like, what if you just were like, I'm going to go for a hike today, and try to find food over here, and yeah, and maybe camp here to tonight. Coast. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't at some point you're going to run into somebody? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I guess if you stuck to the coast or built like a boat and then. Because you know, like if you watched other, maybe not season two, but if you're watching like season four, season five, and you're in season seven. Right. There's a good chance you're like, well, I know most people are going to see near the coast. And yeah. I mean, like, what would they do? Has anybody ever met anybody else? Have they ever? Yeah. Has that ever happened? I know that they track them by GPS. They know, you know, how close they are you know, to their camp yeah. and stuff. So if they were approaching somebody else, they could, they would be able to tell basically, but so funny. good question. Yeah. I, one of the questions I wish I asked was something I thought you were gonna bring up was like how they structured going to the bathroom. Like, did they build or did they dig a pit and have a pit mm. toilet? So they went in the same area all the time or was it just kind of just yeah. wherever you were just, you know, have yeah. at it or whatever. But that was a question I thought, I thought did he of. pee in the river. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> did he dig with a pine cone? Yeah. I would have liked to know that. Uh, probably not um <laughs> so he lasted 66 days and yeah. he probably could have gone a little longer um yeah he said long... he was gaining weight yeah that's yeah, pretty yeah. cool yeah so how long do you think he would have lasted if you were hanging with him indefinite probably indefinite probably yeah. through the winter I mean, he's gonna he's gonna have a fire every night yeah. he knows that yep right I mean, I think it, once he got like the fishing down and the food gathering scenario, yeah. that has got to be massive. Oh yeah, because I mean, I, I don't know what else is other than cold. Like right. that's like the biggest thing, right? So, 
Did I hit a hot button when I mentioned the the Bear Grylls question? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll just say this, because I had a feeling you were going to ask me about that. Yeah, it seemed like he got, I don't want to say defensive, but it seemed like he got... Not defensive. Not not defensive, maybe like uncomfortable with that. Right. And I don't know. I mean, I I think other people, it's like Bear Grylls is Bear Grylls, right? He's not... He's not Survivor Man. He's not. Right. I don't know, but I don't know. It still would have been fun to get his perspective on, like, well, do you think Bear would do well out here or yeah. not? I don't know. It, it, yeah, it was like it was meant to be a for fun question, but I think that that stirred up thoughts of like you know implying that Bear Grylls was a legit survivalist, and I think that yeah, people people might still view Bear that way. I view him more as like, an, you know, almost like a stuntman entertainer who is fun to watch but when you see him trying to escape um an area like he's in a cave that's filling up Mm -hmm. with water and his solution is to go deeper into the cave (laughs) um (laughs) at that point you're like yeah i I think even your common sense person your armchair survivalist is going to realize like that is not accurate so but you know but you i mean people do know i'm assuming like some of the stuff that he would do, like he's scout, like the ones he would take celebrities on, right? They go on these like three mile, four yeah. mile treks or whatever. Right. He's, they have to scout that to a degree before they do that, right? Oh, so, yeah. They, some of those, I haven't for seen sure. a lot of them, but they, so for him to like, but that's what I mean. For him to go in the cave and then it has something happen while they're there, he's, he knows they can get out. He already knows that. Right. So right. to me, but, you but know, if so you're giving somebody that. information about how to handle yourself in a scenario like that, that's obviously the way wrong thing to do. Like, there's yeah, no yeah, I mean, survival I think, book that will tell you to go deeper into the cave when yeah, your cave yeah. is filling up with water. So. so, I mean, that's that's what I mean. Like, he could reword stuff sometimes. He's like, well, but I don't think they want to tell people, oh, yeah, we scouted this out. We know we're good. No, no, right? no. It's a, it's, a, it's a total stunt, and it's totally... That's, that's but I don't think that thing. that's... I don't think that that necessarily means he would be bad on his own out in the wilderness i think unknown yeah you know maybe some some of the things he's picked up could be helpful but um i would what about survivor man would survivor man win why doesn't survivor man apply for a loan why not so here's the thing man is it's not just about like who's the best survivalist that was one of the points i was trying to bring up early in the interview was that because there's people out there that even during his season that were thriving. They're building luxury items out there because they have enough food. They have an awesome yeah. shelter. They simply can't handle being alone, right? Right, right. And so it's not just about the best survivalist. So yeah, maybe surviving could be a better survivalist than all those guys. Um, true. But can he handle being alone? We don't know. So mm. either way, it wasn't. I wasn't intending to offend. I was just like a for fun question throw, and I and I forgot that sur- like true survivalists really do have a hard time mm. with bear grills. And I like I had a, a neighbor that For I used sure. to live next to who like used to go on and on about bear grills. And I was like, I don't, and I, I always used to argue. I'm like, I don't think people are taking like legit survival advice from bear grills. I think they're just entertained by him. And he's like, Oh no, you're going to find out people are going to die because they're going to listen to him and do something crazy. That's not appropriate. So, right. I don't know what, right. if that ever happened, but so question for you then. Yeah, this is a question for you, and I guess all the B and B can ask themselves the same question. Let's say you had to choose one of these three things to not have an issue with. Okay. Would it be the psychological, mm. the coldness, or the hunger? Like, what would you rather? Well, obviously the psychological, because because yeah, it doesn't matter if you are full and if you're warm, but you're like going nuts out there. That's going to wreck it more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Versus you can endure the, endure some of those other things or try to overcome those with different tactics and right. techniques. Don't you agree? Um, I don't know. I think I might choose hunger for me. I think I might choose hunger. Okay. I think if I'm full, I feel completely different mentally. Um, right. And like I said, if okay. I know I'm on a show and I'm recording stuff and I know this is like a finite amount of time, I don't think it would be that right. hard. Psychologically for me. I think other issues would gotcha. be harder for me. But everybody's different. Yeah, no, for sure. What did you think about the scenario I brought up with him about making a loan more of like a backpacking style one where you had to get from point A to point B? You know, maybe the scenario is like oh, a plane yeah. crash yeah, yeah, or yeah. whatever. You got to salvage stuff from the wreckage and whatever you can find is what you have and then away you go. Like, I think that what I agreed with him. That would be really hard in the sense of like, you know, every night now you have to build shelter. Every right. night you have to like now... Like, if you're camping like they were, it's like, well, I know where the food probably is going to be. Whereas, right. like, if you're out there, you're like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But if, it, if it's summertime, though, I mean, there's summertime, man, there's ample stuff, right? 
Ample, but like you got to catch those things, man. Those little squirrels and mm-hmm. bugs and all. Those are sometimes are you know scrappy little buggers. Squirrels and bugs. Okay, that's squirrels, what you're setting your sights on. Nice. I'll go for squirrels yeah. and bugs. Fish. So, okay. You going fish? <laughs> I will say this: that if there's any um, show producers out there, I would be happy to work with you to produce a show like that. I probably wouldn't call it alone for 100 miles, but something no, that'd be terrible. Themed, similar, but with more action. Here's here's a action. You can you can take this name. Just call it the track. Just the call track. It the track. The track. Okay. That's Too it. simple. We got it. We got to make it more dramatic. But <laughs> one of these days, I'm gonna put together a show like that, or put together an event like that. Maybe we'll theme it through the the podcast, and we'll have something. Mm-hmm. Maybe not like survival based, but just something that's like a challenge that we can host and just have fun with. So would you just call it like the Trail of Death? Not bad. Not bad. Tra- Trail of Ooh. Tears Part Two. I would not mm-hmm. call it that. That's bad mm-hmm. reference. But um, yeah, just making sure. It doesn't, well, I don't, anyway, yeah, so I would not call that, but I would definitely <laughs> go down a sure. different road. We'll, we'll, we'll circle back to that one one day when um, our lives are in order and we can pull something off, so. That sounds good. Uh, I'm trying to think, I think, yeah, what other, any, anything else you got from the interview? No, that was, that was just good. It was just very yeah. entertaining and uh, fun to listen to. Hopefully, if you're a fan of the show, you appreciated the interview and some of the kind of behind-the-scenes stuff they shared. I certainly could have gone on talking to him forever, but, you know. High-profile characters such as Mr. McIntyre, you, you know, trying to honor his time. So, yeah, there you go. All right. Well, you got some trivia, right? We got some trivia provided again by uh, Matt, who we just wow. uh, had uh, help us out a little bit ago. So, thank you. Yeah. It makes it easier for me, for sure. All right. We'll get to that right after this. So, yeah. So, you got Matt's trivia again. Are you Are you becoming dependent on this, you think? Uh, probably a little bit, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I haven't I haven't perused. I saw the I saw the email, but um yeah, his last trivia was pretty good, right? Wasn't wasn't one of the answers to the last trivia peanut butter inside the sleeping bag? Wasn't that? Yeah, 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 that that uh I think you should try that. I really think okay. that would be good for you. You have that you on get, the list for sure. Don't you get cold feet, something like that? Uh cold or, feet like literally or just scared scared to do stuff. Or I think if you you know Line your your nostrils with the peanut butter. It helps with snoring. Mm, okay, so that might help. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so so this is true or false, Carl? You ready? Yep. Uh, does adding electrolytes to your water help to lower the freezing point, or not? Lower the freezing point. Mm-hmm. Um, well, typically salt water has a lower freezing point than. That is true. Yeah. So and since there's salt and electrolytes, yes, I'm gonna say true. Correct. Carol. Oh yeah. It lowers the freezing point by about five degrees. Okay. So, so not super significant then. Chuck in the Gatorade and uh, have at it. Okay. Uh, okay. Second question. Hypothermia is only a major concern when the temperatures drop below freezing. Is that true or false? Oh, that is false. I saw Why somebody struggling with hypothermia, and like in the they were in water, and it was like. 80 degree water but which is still lower than their body temperature and it was still slowly sucking the correct the life out of them but um yeah. i had a thought about the electrolyte one so if someone okay. hypothetically were to leave electrolyte drink mix on the trail and then it like filtered into a small pond mm. would it be possible to see like a frozen pond next to a non-frozen pond that, I don't even know how to answer that. Ridiculous. Because you have one that has electrolyte mix and one that doesn't. That's absurd. First of all, the bag of electrolyte mix is not going to be big enough, number you one. You don't remember how much I used to bring. Well, <laughs> well actually, I do because I picked it up on the trail. So yeah, I was like, um, what, three, four pounds? That's minimum. It was like half your body, your backpack weight. Man loves his mix, let me tell you. Okay. All right, sorry. Number three, Um, what you got? We'll backtrack for you. So, no, he said false. Hypothermia is serious even in temperatures in the 40s, but I actually agree with you. um, Because even being like a water person myself, um, if you're in the tropics and the water's even like in the 80s, yeah, I I would agree. You can definitely get hypothermia after a certain point. might take longer, but you can definitely get it. For sure, so. takes longer. Yeah. Uh, number three. Okay, wind wind chill factors uh, make the air a lot a lot colder or feel a lot colder, even when wearing an outer shell layer. Is that true or false? Wind chill factors. Okay, sounds kind of vague because your outer shell layer is going to cover 
not every part of your body like your face right so i would say true he's saying he's saying false um windchill only applies to exposed skin so maybe it's kind of a trick question yeah so i think i think that that would be false if you're talking about the areas that like if you're going shirtless right (laughs) <laughs> like obviously <laughs> sure. obviously a park is gonna help because now you don't have your upper tor- torso exposed but uh yeah you're gonna have exposed skin i mean typically like your face right i mean i don't know yeah yeah i don't i want to know more information about that scenario so i'm gonna disagree okay last question are you ready yes drinking booze will help keep you warm on cold nights i don't know man that's a good question since we have uh, multi-generational alcoholism in my family I chose not to be partaking in the alcohol not to say it's wrong but just trying to be safe and so I have no idea that's true you don't I didn't as well um, but for those of you that do bring it out there uh, it's true sort of so we're saying a small amount of alcohol will help your blood travel to your extremities more easily therefore possibly warming mm. it up however too okay. much will begin to lower your core body temperature and also okay. other things may occur as we know. Gotcha. So I don't think that they had much alcohol out there on the alone show. So I don't know that that did they, were they allowed to bring some? I'm sure that could be one of their 10. I don't know if that could have been one. I, I mean, know. if you're out there coping with that, you're not going to last very long. Right. Right. So yeah. Anyway. Okay. So, uh, you semi passed. Yeah. Semi passed. All right. Semi passed. So one was yeah under under contention so we'll have to get matt's feedback on on that one so yeah it's not easy to write questions though like so yeah it's it's hard you, you have a hard time writing questions right Trivial that's questions. more your forte i'm more of the uh intro outro forte whereas it takes you you longer to yeah, do yeah that. for sure i got some tidbits though tidbits, tidbits. Yeah, yes let's do it okay so remember a couple episodes ago i talked about the the review drama where we you know like one review challenged us on not talking about gear where the other one said we, you know, somebody bought something as a result <laughs> right. of our podcast. Can't so please anybody. I, yeah. I know. Well, I was trying to, I wasn't really like bothered by it. I just thought it was funny. I don't know that I communicated that very well because um, Joe from Southern California went back and as a result of that episode went and changed his review so that he doesn't sabotage us from any potential sponsorships. So, there you go, Joe. Yeah. So I actually had already emailed him, but I apologize if that was offensive to him, because I wasn't trying to, I was just trying to be, I just thought it was funny. So, um, Joe, this is what Carl does though. He right. intentionally and intentionally will offend people. So don't take Correct. it. Hard. Correct. Yeah. I think we all do that. And, yeah. um, he was just being, he, he was, yeah, just being nice by changing it. So we appreciate you changing it. Definitely didn't have to do that, but, um, yeah, thank you so much, sir. That was, that was nice of you. So yeah. just appreciate you listening to the show. Really. That's what it boils down to. So then we had an, another reaction. This one was on Facebook by a gentleman named Ned who reacted to your reckless use of underwear. My reckless use of underwear. Yeah. He says that he always brings two mm. and goes above and beyond in making sure that he is completely cleaned up in the underwear uh-huh. zone so that there's no issues with um, chafage uh-huh. or anything like I that. See. I don't know if he used the word chafage, actually, but okay. he is, yeah, he's. I think he's... I don't think he expressed this, but he implied that he's pretty concerned about you only bringing one pair of underwear. Why is that? Why is he concerned? Because it's not good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, that's uh, preference, I guess. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm. It's not like I'm not cleaning. Like if I jump in any kind of water body of water, I'm gonna clean myself. But okay. um, Yeah, I don't remember. Like, like you don't come across somebody who's dirty in camp or somebody who's like soiled. But I don't remember no. you either cleaning yourself either. Like I don't see you actually like behave like doing things that are, you know, trying to, yeah, clean yourself. I guess clean myself. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm out backpacking, so I'm not showering. You know, I don't have right. the portable. I don't have the portable shower like you. But okay. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, we sometimes we bring the wipes, the body wipes. Um, okay. Sometimes we use those after the trip. I've seen us use them on the trip. Using them after the trip does not apply whatsoever to what we're talking no, about here. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Sometimes I take a shower for the trip. Awesome. I've I mean, brought right? them on the trip, though. But <laughs> okay. I think it's just like you just plan on being dirty for like a few days, knowing at some point during the trip you're going to jump in some water or clean yourself up right after. So No, no, no. It's okay to be dirty. That's not the point. The point is that like 
dirt in certain areas on your body can actually cause problems while you're continuing to backpack, right? Uh, right. So I think it depends on your body type, though. I think it depends on, on how much you sweat, how much chafage you have mm. naturally. I think okay. that will create problems. I have never really had that problem. So okay. maybe I'm blessed. Hashtag blessed in that region. I don't know. Right. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah. Okay. I mean, I've brought in multiple pairs, but then I'm always like, I'm not going to, I don't, I'm not going to. It's just extra weight for me. Okay. Now, if don't get me wrong, if I'm going out for a longer trip, then we we normally do what like three days ish, maybe. Hmm. So if I if I know I'm going for like a week plus, then yeah, I'm probably gonna bring a couple pairs for sure. Fair enough. Yeah, we go for we go for four days just to clarify. Whatever. Keep track. Uh, <laughs> that's our July trip. We have different different lengths for different times of the of the year for right. sure. But um, last one I have is from Casey, who was surprised when we discussed how few layers we bring. Mm-hmm. Just she was surprised that we didn't freeze because, yeah. yeah, because she gets cold easy. I think similar to me, but she's like, yeah, why wouldn't you have more layers than that? Like that seems so minimal. And right. um, and so my response to that is if if we're going like, you know, like northern Montana Glacier, then I'll pro- I might obviously bring more layers. But if we're just going to, you know, the Colorado Rockies, Wyoming, the Sierras, I typically bring fewer. But if it does get chilly at night and we're still hanging out outside you know chatting around the campfire i'll i'll bring out my sleeping bag and use it as a blanket kind of hang out with everybody that way kind of ridiculous but kind of ridiculous well you know you might as well use it got it with you Mm -hmm. i'm also moving around a lot like i'm doing a lot of just kind of you know keeping up with the campsite and whatever Mm -hmm. random chores i know for you you're you're more like sitting around not really contributing so that's (laughs) that might require more layers for you sitting around starting fires whatever (laughs) (laughs) so it's okay (laughs) filtering um starting fires correct not always campfires though right (laughs) start filtering filtering your water whatever the only person so yeah so so is that shameful to sit around and have a sleeping bag as a blanket. I don't think so. Apparently Derek does, but we also have, and this is probably more unique to our group is we bring a bigger tent. It's still backpack, a backpacking tent. It's a big Agnes, right. but we bring a big one and we'll play cards inside the tent. Like when right. it's night night. So it's not right. evening or whatever. But, but um, now do you, do you feel like you're saving weight? Cause you're like, I'm going to just wear my sleeping bag around camp that I know way. I'm saving weight. Yeah. I don't have to yeah, bring, bring the- less stuff, bring less clothes or just dirty up your yeah. sleeping bag. So it stinks or what? You just wash them. <laughs> There's ways to clean the sleeping bag. So, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. So, that's all I got for tidbits. Oh, and to backtrack, by the way, uh, I know you said we go for four days, mm. right? But usually it's three nights. So, on the fourth day when we hike out, I do have that fresh pair of underwear. At the end of clothes. the day. Some of the, sometimes that fourth day is like a full day, though. It's not like an easy way out. We've, we've hiked 12 miles in the last day. Right. And it's something to look forward to. I know that fresh pair of undies oh is my waiting gosh. in the Are car you serious? Everybody's like, oh, let's just get to the restaurant. Let's have a hamburger. Let's get our hamburger pace on. And you're like, I can't wait for the underwear. I can't wait for it all. I want the real food. (laughs) I want the underwear. I want the wipes. I want it all. Okay. Gotcha. I want everything. My friend, we'll we'll end on that note. That's all I got. That sounds good. Guys, always a pleasure. Thanks for staying with us. Season four is thundering away. We'll see you guys next time. Remember, if you want to see Carl cry, just leave him alone for a few minutes and he'll start the tears. I want to fly around the world. So yeah, I uh speaking of alone, I uh Carl's a real problem. Like he's he's right. Psychologically can't handle it. Uh we were on the trail one time. I think uh I just went for a swim in this little river. I came back. I don't know, five minutes later and he's just cowered in the fetal position under a tree. So that delayed us uh, a good two hours before I could wake him up. So things to think about guys, things to think about.